Well, without further ado, we want to introduce Erin Smalley to you. She's over here. She's coming up in a minute. Um, Erin is just a wonderful, amazing person. It's been a joy to get to know her a little bit. Um, She is a speaker, an author. She brought some of her books with her today over here. So if you want to chat with her after, um, she's going to be selling some of her books today. Um, She was trained as a nurse, and then she uh, went to school in psychology. So she's now also a therapist, and um, she has four children. She's a biological mom, an adoptive mom, and she also speaks around the country with her husband, Dr. Greg Smalley, and they do all kinds of marriage events. So I know you're going to love hearing from her. She has so much wisdom and energy and encouragement to offer us today. So let's welcome Erin. Good morning. So it's always fun to come and talk to moms because I was not... I mean, it's been a little bit since I've been in your exact shoes with younger kids, but I have quite an age span. I'm going to show you a picture here in just a minute of my family. Um, We have from 27 down to 14. So we have a wide um, array of of ages of kids. So I'm excited to be here to talk with you guys today about marriage. And if you're not married, if you're a single mom or... Um, have been through the tragedy of a divorce, that anything that I'm talking about today can be applied to relationships with your kids, as well as really anybody in your life. And it's just simple ways to connect with the people who mean the most to you. And the exciting thing is that really we're not going to add anything to what's already going on in your world. We're just going to look at what is going on in your world and how do we use those things to accentuate connection. Does that sound good? Because I know when I go to a talk so often, it will be, oh my word, I'm taking notes frantically and thinking, how am I ever going to do all this, especially when it comes to our marriage, because we all have that guilt of like, oh, I want to do more. I need to be doing more. I want to connect more. But when you have little people pulling on you, it's kind of hard sometimes, right? So that's what we're going to dig into. And so really what I call this is everyday moments, moving from roommates to soulmates, My husband and I travel around. We talk to a lot of couples. I'm a therapist, so I talk to a lot of couples. And what I'll most often hear is we feel like married roommates. And we don't want to be married. Who gets married to be roommates? We get married because we want that deep connection. And, you know, we're committed. We're in this. But we're nothing more than married roommates. And so, you know, how do we move from being roommates to more soulmates, to connections of the heart? And, you know, the, the world defines soulmates in so many different ways. We actually like to think of that word as S-O-L-E, soul. There's that one person in this world that we want to be deeply connected to. So a successful marriage requires falling in love many times, always with the same person. I think of the 30 years that I've been married to Greg, I am totally a different person. He is a totally different person. And continuing to fall in love through those different seasons. You can go ahead and click. So this is a picture of my family, Um, my 24-year-old daughter. So we have four kids. Our oldest daughter is Taylor here on the end. Um, She was a cardiac ICU nurse at Children's, and she's currently traveling. She's a travel nurse in Maine, Um, and she's now, um, she's actually going to go to school to be a nurse anesthetist, which is super exciting. Second daughter, Murphy, is next to my husband, Greg. She is also a nurse, and she just got hired at Children's Hospital here in the NICU, Her fiancé is right next to her. 
Um, this is Jordan, and he will be joining our family in June, which is pretty exciting. And Garrison is our son. He's on the end. He is 20 years old. He's a sophomore at Colorado Christian. And then down in front is Annie, and she is 14. So I'm getting the joys of going through yet another adolescent girl. Um, I know God knew I needed a break after those two girls. <laughs> Garrison having a son in, the, in between raising those two. And then Annie. And Annie's an eighth grader at TCA. On Murphy's 24th birthday, she said, my dream is to climb a 14er as a family. Awesome. <laughs> I, by the time I got up here, <laughs> up there, it was San Luis Peak. And by the time I arrived at the top of that 14er, I hated everybody. <laughs> so I get the proud moment, the proud mom award there. Literally, they were all up there. I could see them all up there. That is the only thing that kept me going. And I finally get up there and I said, I hate every one of you. <laughs> so happy birthday, Murphy. Um, so those are some of the unique challenges that come along with uh, parenting. So... Uh, Greg and I have been married 30 years. We've been in Colorado Springs for 10. Greg is at Focus on the Family. I contract at Focus as well, and then in private practice. So you think about our lives as, as moms and just as women. It's busy, is it not? Is anybody, does anybody feel just overloaded some days, most days? And I just love this quote. God doesn't want, to speak, doesn't want us to speak to him just when we see big, beautiful, and amazing stuff. He wants to hear from us as we stand smack dab in the middle of the everyday ordinary stuff that makes up our day-to-day -day life. He wants us to realize that he's waiting for us in the middle of regular. And you think about those regular moments. I know for me, I was just telling Cassie, Taylor, our oldest, is traveling, so she has left her 85-pound golden doodle at our house. And we have a golden doodle. And so I'm like, okay, the everyday ordinary for me right now is walking in every day and finding something new torn up. And I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm trying to frame it through the, the positive lens of, oh, I'm so thankful I have a daughter. And I'm so thankful that I can help her and love her by loving on her dog. But if I vacuum one more time this week, it's going to be a record. I mean, they are ripping every pumpkin that I have put out for fall I mean, they're everywhere. I'm like, how did you get that one that was in the middle of the, the counter in the kitchen? Did you get up on the counter? And I'm, yeah. So it's in those ordinary moments that we can meet God. He wants to meet us there and meet our relationships there as well. And that's what I'm just so excited to talk to you about. Um, how do we do this? How do we move from busyness to connection, from married roommates to soulmates, S-O-L-E, how do we do that? And I'm just going to give you two simple ways, just two simple ways, not the, um, one of my most favorite websites is 1,001 ways to simplify your life. And you think about that. I mean, just <laughs> slow that down. 1,001 ways to simplify your life. We are not going to do that. We're going to do two. And I know for me, over the seasons, there has been those chaotic days. I don't know if you had one of those this morning. I was running around trying to find things and pull things together so I could get out the door. Um, I think back to one of the craziest days I ever had. We lived in Northwest Arkansas prior to coming here. We were at John Brown University, and we were on staff at this center, this relationship center. And it was all men and me. And they decided that it would be great to have an all-day staff meeting um, right before Christmas, all day. 
So we were going to go to this retreat place, and we were going to meet all day, and then they decided it'd be great to have the Christmas party that evening. And it was right before Christmas, and I was like, oh my word, I've got so much to do. And so, you know, I went, and we did the all-day staff meeting, and then we were going between the staff meeting onto the staff party. And I ran by, we, we ran by the house to check in the kids, grab our white elephant gifts for the white elephant gift exchange game, you know, that you usually play at. Do you guys play that at Christmas parties? Yeah. So we stop and I run back into my master bedroom and right by my bed are the gift bags and the ornaments sitting next to him hadn't wrapped them yet. Of course not. And so I'm grabbing them and I'm, you know, trying to put everything and get the tissue paper set. And I realized I had run out of hygiene products, feminine hygiene products that day. So I ran into the bathroom to grab some and I had them in my hand in the gift bags in the other and I ran out into the kitchen. Well, what I'd forgotten is this new guy had followed us home um, because he wanted to follow us to the party. So this new guy on our staff standing in my kitchen, I don't even know him, but he's there. And here I am standing with these items in one hand and the gift bags in the other kind of awkward. And so I'm like, what do I do? So I'm like, oh, I'll just put him in the bag. And, you know, I'll get him out when we get in the car, put him in my purse, and all will be well. And Murphy was 12 at that point, and she looked at me, and she went, "Mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm, that's not good. And I was like, oh, no, I'll get him when I get in the car. So fast forward, (laughs) we're sitting in the big circle, um, you know, and uh, we're drawing numbers and all that. And the 24-year-old single graduate fellow gets my bag. And I'm so excited because I so like him. And I'm going, oh, you got my bag. You got my bag. And so he starts pulling things out. And I'm watching and I'm looking over his shoulder. And I'm like, what is in the bottom of that bag? What is that? And then he pulls the last piece of tissue paper out. And that item goes flying across the room, lands smack in the center of our circle. And everyone's eyes are locked on it. And my first thought was, what did Greg do? Why did my husband put something in my bag? And then I went, oh my gosh, it's those items. Horrifying. And those are the kind of things that happen when we have those crazy, busy days, right? We do things we don't even think about what we're doing. The hilarious thing, and this is why I love women, we move here, not because of that incident, but we move here, (laughs) and I get a text right around the same time next, the following year, and the ladies who... um, witnessed that, sent me a picture of a Christmas tree they had decorated with those items. And they said, we had our staff party last night. It's just not the same without you here. I'm like, well, I'm glad that you can enjoy that at the cost of me. But I did laugh. I thought it was pretty funny. So, and that's what the the great news as women, we can support each other through those crazy times and love on each other and remind each other not to take it so seriously and that crazy things happen to all of us in these busy seasons. So let's jump in to how do you miss these busy seasons? And I don't know what your season looks like right now. It may look very different than mine, but how do we stay connected to the people we love the most? First, we're gonna talk about something called a bid for connection. And it's interesting. A bid for connection is any positive action that you do to get your spouse's attention. It's basically, we want attention, affirmation, affection, or support. A bid indicates a desire that you want to connect. And it's interesting, I had read about this, Dr. John Gottman, the world's greatest marriage expert in our world, and well, I guess the world's greatest marriage expert. He studied this and he found that couples, successful couples, respond to bids for connection in a positive way. 
And the interesting thing, these bids for connection are happening. Both you are offering these bids for connection. You may not just recognize them, as well as your spouse is offering them. Our children offer them. And it's just an opportunity to connect. But it's based on how do we see them. So several years back, we were right here at this stoplight, my husband and I. And we were driving. And he said, oh, my gosh, there's that truck. And I was like, what truck? And he goes, it's a Raptor. It's a Ford Raptor, an F-150 Ford Raptor. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was texting. And I'm like, do I care about a Ford Raptor? I didn't, but he did. And so he said, oh, my word, I just could not even imagine driving one of those or having one of those. And I said, what's so special about it? And he said, well, it's got this amazing engine in it and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, how much, is one, or how much are they? And he's like, they're $150,000. And I was like, what? A truck is $150,000? And I said, you know, there's starving children in the world and $150,000? But I did make a choice. I set my phone aside because I was texting and set the phone aside and I just said, huh, so you're really, that you're really interested in this truck? And he's like, yeah. I said, why is it $150,000? And he went on to tell me. Well, that was an opportunity for connection. And so often we don't see those moments as opportunities to connect. I mean, Greg was basically saying, are you interested in something I'm interested in? I wasn't interested in it. But he was. And so there's choices when these bids for connection come up. We have opportunities of how we respond. So you can turn away, and that's just ignoring it. Like I could have just kept texting and not even paid attention to it, to him. And, you know, I just would have missed the opportunity. Or I could turn against. I could say that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We are never going to get one, so just stop looking at him. Could do that. Or I could turn toward and just say, ah, that's interesting. Huh, so this really is something you're interested in. Yeah, tell me more about it. Just an opportunity for connection. And you think about our kids. You know, so often they'll run in in the midst of you're making dinner or you're busy doing something and hold me. I mean, our our 24-year-old Murphy constantly, hold me, mommy, hold me. I hold you is actually what she would say. Or, you know, come look at this. Come look at my art project down in the base, whatever. And it's an opportunity. Basically, what they're saying is, I want to connect with you in the everyday moment. And that builds connection. It's interesting because these little micro moments is what they call them. Moment by moment, individually, they don't do much. But a strain of them together, a string of them together can make all the difference. You think about one snowflake isn't a big deal. But a bunch of snowflakes is like a snowstorm. And that can make an impact. And that is just what I want to encourage you. This is happening in your life. And even maybe you're thinking about, huh, my husband brought me coffee this morning. And that was a bit for connection. How nice. You know, I made breakfast this morning and served my family. That was a bit for connection. There's lots of them that we could think about. Um, think about, you know, we walk out and we go, hey, is my hair okay? Is the back, is it good? What are we saying? We're really saying, will you affirm me? Um, often I'll call Greg and say, oh my word, I'm running late. Can you pick up Annie from school? Will you help me? You're looking for that deeper hidden meaning to what you're really hearing or asking. Greg will say, you know, hey, oh my word, I'll be walking by and there'll be a football game on here. Go, you, watch this replay. You got to see this. And do I care? I don't care. But, because I don't like, I don't, I mean, football's fine, but it's not my thing. But he's saying, look at this, watch this. 
And basically, what is he saying? Are you interested in what I'm interested in? Will you take some time to notice what I notice? You know, will you watch a movie? Um, Basically, can we relax together? He fills my car up with gas. What is he saying? I want to take care of you. But often we don't see it like that. So I just encourage you to start putting on that lens of, ah, there's an opportunity. Is this going to change a marriage that's struggling? It's going to influence it. And I always say we have control of us. We can't control our spouses. I know I tried for a very long time. It doesn't work. I can control me and utilizing my influence within the relationship. This is just a super, super simple way to do that. I know for me, I love to bargain shop. So I'll go out and buy, you know, buy whatever, whatever sale, and I'll come home with a bag. And every single time, Greg will, I'll say, you got to see what I got. And I'll hold things up one by one. Does anybody else do that? And he'll, I mean, does he care about what I, no, he doesn't care, but he plays the game. I'll say, guess what the original price was? And he'll be like, I have no idea. And I'm like, well, go above $50. Okay, great. And so then I'll say, guess what I paid for it? And he plays along. He plays that game every single time. And really, is, does he care about, he really doesn't care. What he cares about is the connection with me. And I never really saw it through that lens until I really slowed it down and started thinking about this. So that's our first opportunity, are these bids for connection. The second opportunity that we have to go from roommates to soulmates to breed connection is that I call them everyday moments. And everyday moments are basically connection rituals. And they are moments that come up, they reoccur, Oh, it didn't come up. All right, I'll just tell you what they are. They're moments that happen every single day, and there's opportunities in those moments to connect. And so it's just utilizing things that are already happening because we're not adding anything to your plate. We're looking at what's already there, and these are moments that we can utilize if we do certain things and utilize them fully. We can Breed a deeper connection. When I first learned about this, we had just moved here. It was about 10 years ago. And I'm telling you, it helped me to feel like I was doing something to breed connection in my marriage. I used them with my kids as well. So number one, you know, just saying goodbye. You think about when you wake up in the morning, even this morning. Typically, Greg takes Annie, and he used to take all the kids to school. And so we would say goodbye in the morning. We'd have that moment, those moments before we separated and went separate ways. Um, And we can do things intentionally in those moments to make that, take it from that everyday mundane moment to heartfelt connection. Do you know we have 1,440 minutes every single day that we have this opportunity? We're not always with our spouse or with our kids, but 1,440, I mean, if I hit four a day, three a day, three of those minutes in one day, I'm doing pretty good. So you think about when you're separating ways in the morning. I don't know who leaves first in your family, what it looks like. Opportunity. You can offer a compliment, just a simple compliment of, hey, I like that shirt. Wow, I know I got it on the clearance rack and, you know, 50% off that day, but I really like it. And, you know, or what do you have going on today? Can I pray for you? Just to compliment and act, or not even act interested, but be interested in what's going on in your family members' lives, in your spouse's life. 
The second opportunity is to encourage, and that is to breathe courage. Encourage means to make courageous. And so basically, we are breathing courage into our spouse's heart before they walk out the door, or your kids. You know what? You're going to do great on that presentation today. You're going to do great on your exam today. Just breathing courage into them. Just an opportunity. It only says twice within Scripture to do something daily, and that's take up your cross daily, and it says to encourage one another daily. So opportunity to do that. The last one is interesting to me because think about you have the opportunity as well to offer a sign of affection. When you're parting ways, just offering a sign of affection. So often my spouse used to just walk out the door, and there would be no physical touch before he left. Not anymore. I love research. As a former labor and delivery nurse and a counselor, I love research. And I came across this research that said a man who is kissed by his wife prior to parting ways, whoever's leaving first, that there's actual benefits to that kiss. Doesn't have to be, I always laugh because you think about the Guinness Book of World Record kiss was like, oh my word, it was like 48 some odd hours crazy. You don't have to do that. Just a simple hug and a kiss. They say that men who are kissed by their wives prior to leaving, prior to parting ways, um, they earn more. They earn 20, 20 to 30% more. They have less car accidents on the way to work. Your insurance company will thank you. Um, they miss less work, and they live five years longer. I was like, wow, I can do that. Just a simple kiss impacts. And again, I'm utilizing my influence. So I can do that. I can do those things. Simple. And basically, so when you're offering um, encouragement, affection, complimenting, what does that do? It sets a positive tone for the rest of the day that maybe you're separated, that you're not seeing each other, that it's just utilizing your influence, pouring influence into the day, that as we're going separate ways, that it's a positive feeling that he holds about me because I did something to reach him and to connect. Simple. Does that sound pretty simple? And I know maybe you, your husband's working from home. Maybe you're working from home. Um, I know people who are in retirement age are like, dear God, I wish someone was leaving our house. No one leaves. And I know over like quarantine, no one was leaving. Even if your spouse goes out and um, does something in the front yard, mows the lawn, gets the mail, even, you know, it's just looking when they leave. Opportunity. Just an opportunity. So that's the first one is saying goodbye Um, Second one is while you're away. So while we're separated during the day, how do we connect? I love it when my husband sends me a text in the middle of the day just to say, hey, how are you doing? I'm thinking about you. Or calls me and says, hey, can you meet me for lunch? Great, I can do that. It just sends me a message that he's thinking about me and that I matter. And the, the inverse is true when we do that to our spouse that we're telling them when we reach out, that we're thinking about them, that we like them, that they matter to us, and it's utilizing my influence. Oftentimes, I will call Greg during the day. Poor guy. I'll call him at work and be like, you're not going to believe what just happened. And it's, I, I just have random weird things happen throughout the day. And so this one time I called him um, and said, you're not going to believe what happened. I don't, usually don't even ask, like, do you have time to talk? 
And if he's busy, I'll know he's busy because I can just hear him typing and he'll be giving me the uh uh-huh, 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 which would be nice if I asked him, hey, do you have time to talk? So I I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to play Bunko. Do you know what Bunko is? Um, I'm going to play Bunko at lunchtime today. And he was like, well, who plays Bunko at lunchtime? I'm like, I don't know. These ladies asked me to play, so I'm going to go. So I put the, the address of the house in my GPS, and I took off, and I was going to play Bunko. So, you know, your GPS then, you know, you come towards the, the um, destination, and it says, you have arrived. So I was like, great. And I saw a bunch of cars pulled over, parked, got out of my car, and even I was walking up the pathway, and it, there was a big sign outside that says, come on in. And I was like, great, I'm at the right place. Went in, and when I got in, I kind of looked around, and I was like, I don't think I recognize anybody here. But I was like, well, maybe it's just a different group. Maybe, you know, subs are playing, you know. No one could come at lunch and started talking to people, had a snack, had a drink. And this woman stands up in the living room and she says, hey, everyone come in for the PTA meeting. And I was like, PTA meeting? She goes, are you not here for the PTA meeting? And I'm like, no, I'm here to play bunko. And she says, who plays bunko at lunchtime? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm not here for a PTA meeting. And she goes, well, whose house are you looking for? And I tell her, and she says, oh, that's two houses up. (laughs) So I was in the wrong house, drinking their drinks and eating their food. And so, of course, I had to call Greg and tell him about it. And he just laughs and takes the time to hear me out. That sends a really important message to me, that he's there with me, that he cares about what's going on with me while we're separated during the day, that we're each experiencing different things. So just those opportunities. We don't want to miss those. I don't want to miss those. You think about in Hebrews, it talks about marriage should be honored by all. And that's really what we're doing here as we're looking at these these, um, bids for connection and these micro moments of connection that we're honoring our marriage in the most simplistic way. And I know for me, I would rather make it simple than complicated. So those are the first two, saying goodbye while you're away. Third one is greeting each other when you return home, when whoever has been gone comes home. I used to miss this one. Greg would typically walk in the door about 5.15. Well, of course, I don't know if your house looks like mine did back when I had smaller kids, you know, and it still does. Making dinner, doing homework, trying to get things done, a little bit chaotic, and Greg would walk in. I would give him the wave, hey, welcome home, you know, but opportunity. What can we do differently in that moment to connect? You know, you think about, now that I have two dogs, I get lots of love when I come home. How did they greet us? I mean, I have 85-pound Sammy jumping up and excited, and Olive Olive always wants to be held when I come in, our 25-pound golden doodle. And they get super excited about us coming home. We used to have a cat, and the cat could have cared less when I came home. She kind of would look at me, and just off she would go. We used to, Greg always says, we used to have a cat. I didn't do anything to the cat. <laughs> I didn't get rid of the cat. We got a dog. The cat disappeared. I don't know what happened to the cat. But it's same opportunity for us, you know, just turning toward, setting down whatever you're doing, greeting, you know, I'm so glad you're home, embracing You know, when we hug our kids, when we hug our spouse, we're actually, there's there's physiological things that go on inside of us. We're releasing oxytocin, the feel-good hormones, all of that goes on inside. And just a hug makes all 
can make all the difference. I used to, when Murphy, our 24-year-old, was 13, 14, didn't necessarily, necessarily like to hug a whole lot. You know, that age where they're just like, oh, don't, you know, it's kind of awkward. And so I used to hide out. And she would walk by me, and I'd grab her, and I'd hug her. And just, I would say things like, you know, this is good for you. This is good for me. We're releasing hormones, and on and on. And she's like, you truly, genuinely are nuts. And I'm like, I know, but I'm your mom, and someday you will appreciate this. And do you know, as she aged and, you know, into junior, senior year of high school, she would find me when she got home, and she'd say, Mom, I need my hug. And, you know, just a precious moment that we, those little micro moments that I can look back on and go, you know, I'm so grateful. And it bred a deeper connection with us. And, you know, we are great friends now at 24. I adore her. And I know it's those little choices that can make that difference. So looking for those. And what does this do? This, when someone's coming home and we take time to greet them, it influences the rest of the evening that you have together with positive stuff. So things are more likely to go well when we do this. I even think about picking Annie up from school. You know, how do I greet her when she gets into the car? I know I'm not allowed to ask, how was your day? She hates that question. So I'm always trying to think of like a really creative question, you know, just an an idea of like to get a, a heartbeat of how did your day go? You know, it might be the high of your day, the low of your day. Um, zero to 10, how was your day? I just try to be creative to meet her in those moments, just in a different way instead of just, hey, how was your day? Because she's always like, she, you know, I get the eye roll and on and on. So, influences how things were, will go the rest of the evening. And opportunity I don't want to miss anymore. Last one is when we go to bed. There's opportunities there. Sometimes we miss those. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes there might be conflict in the evening. Um, Just to assure you, every one of your marriages, I know there's those seasons where you feel super connected, the seasons where you don't. The days where you feel super connected, the days that you don't. The days that you have conflict, the days that you don't. So there's going to be times when you get into bed at night that you're in conflict, We might miss this opportunity, but the great news is the opportunity will come again. It's not like we have one option of when to take advantage of this. If you don't hit it one night, you can hit it the next night. And so what are the opportunities with saying goodnight? You think about, we can express gratitude. You know, just thanking your spouse for something they did, something they do, It's interesting, gratitude has a huge influence. When we are grateful towards someone, it can change our heart towards someone. It, you know, simple as, you know, thanks for going to work today. Thanks for taking the trash out on Tuesday morning. My husband always teases me. He goes, it's actually not Tuesday, it's Wednesday, but okay. Um, Thank you for picking up kids today. Thank you for helping with dinner. Thank you for making dinner. Thank you. It's, it's just so often because we're in this relationship and we, are, we get used to each other in many ways. It's familiar. We end up not thanking our spouses for what they're doing. And it's, you know, the research shows we're more likely to thank strangers than we are those that we're closest to. So it's an opportunity just to, to say thank you. Also to affirm 
gratitude and affirmation are two different things. Gratitude is thanking you for what you do. Affirming is thanking you for who you are. And so looking at who is this, this man that I'm married to? What's something that I admire about him? And just speaking that over him before you drift off to sleep. Utilizing your influence because that's the feeling he's going to hold all night long. And again, simple, easy. But then also, what about praying together before you go to sleep? It's interesting because as believers, I can promise you that you are not alone if you're sitting there going, we don't pray together. I, we talk to so many couples, even in ministry couples, that aren't praying together. And I think that we begin to believe that it is like, it has to be this long, eloquent, drawn-out prayer versus just think about at nighttime. You know, hey, what's one thing that I can pray for you about? Just one thing. What can I pray? And, you know, then just, hey, Lord, lifting my spouse up. He's got a big, you know, presentation. He's got a stressful meeting tomorrow. Um, And I just ask that you're with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple. And prayer has such an impact. It brings unity on our marriage and on our connection. And it's just that opportunity. And you think about what does this do? Again, it's what the feeling that we hold all night long as we sleep. And my husband always says, I like it when we wake up in the morning and you're glad that I'm there. It's just that opportunity. So those are just four simple things that we can do to breed connection. When we feel disconnected as roommates, this is four simple ways to breed that, that deeper connection that we long for. So your life might look different. And so really it's applying this and going, what is it, what opportunities do I have in my life? You know, maybe it's cooking together. My husband and I were, when quarantine came, when COVID happened in 2020, we were like, hey, we'll cook together. That'll be our thing. And it took one, the first time that we decided we were going to cook a meal together for conflict to break out. He, we were going to make um, tacos And so I gave him the ground beef. And I look over, and he's got the ground beef in the pan, and it is in a square. And he's flipping it. And so I thought I would just offer a gentle solution of like, hey, um, or suggestion. Um, You know, we got to break that up if we're making tacos. (laughs) We're not making meatloaf. Well, he took offense to that. And he's like, hey, if I'm going to help you cook, well, then you better not, you know, boss me around or, you know, on and on. I'm like, I'm just trying to help. Not always going to go perfectly but an opportunity. We did figure that out, and we ended up, he ended up actually learning how to cook over quarantine, which I'm thrilled with now. I come home at night, and there's a meal on the table that is not a square of ground beef. So, you know, maybe it's eating meals together. Research is strong around families that have meals together, and I used to think, ah, I'm guessing you have to have, you know, like seven dinners throughout one week together to get the impact of that. No, it's not. They say that it can be breakfast, lunch, or dinner, um, sitting as a family together, having conversation, and just connecting. And I mean, the impact on kids is huge.
huge and on your marriage is huge. With kids, you know, they say that kids are less likely to be involved with drugs or acting out sexually and that it really does breed connection. Our 14-year-old just the other day, Annie, said, you know, I love our meals together. And I was like, you do? She goes, yeah, because I know we're going to connect. And I was like, huh, good to know. I'm not going to miss another meal. (laughs) I will be there because I know you like that and you value that. What do we do at these dinners? Um, We have several options. We'll we'll play the high-low game. You know, what was your high? What was the low? We, and this is so... um, my poor 14-year-old being raised with a dad who is a psychologist and a mother who is a therapist. We have a feelings wheel at our table. And so we each choose three feelings that we've experienced. And feelings wheel, you can print it off online. It's just a bunch of feeling words, emotions. I know our Annie at one point was sitting at the counter and she's like, I don't know what it's like to be a normal 14-year-old. And I was like, you don't? She goes, my father is a psychologist and my mother is a therapist. And I'm like, oh, you poor baby. (laughs) So that's her challenge. Um, You know, maybe watching a show together when you're driving in the car together, you know, set the cell phone down and then turn toward and engage in conversation with kids, with husband, maybe running errands together exercising together, you know, the biggest question is what opportunities do you have in your daily life to connect? And then running it through the lens of connection and through I'm wanting to breed that connection with my spouse and with my kids. You think about this is often how it looks when you get into bed at night. I know for us, sometimes I'm checking the news, checking Facebook before I go to bed, and that's just a missed opportunity. You can click one more time. One more. Yeah. And it's running it through the lens of there's beauty and adventure in the commonplace for those with eyes to see beyond. So it's looking at those micro minutes to create these bigger moments, those heartfelt moments of connection. And so I, I do know that we're going to do some Q&A. And uh, I don't know how you want to orchestrate that. But I also encourage you just to be thinking about what are the moments for me? Does anybody have any ideas, anything come to mind as far as I see one and I'm going to do this today? And I even say just pick one moment and focus on that over the next week and just see the difference that it makes, whether it's you or it's them or the relationship, the connection. Any come to mind as far as, yeah? I just texted my husband while you were talking about being away and like, Perfect. Really awesome. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you were really awesome making me breakfast this morning. You know what? You <laughs> You're didn't... a great husband. So you utilized texting in a positive way, but you also affirmed him and thanked him, showed gratitude. You're really awesome. Great. But then you made me breakfast. Awesome. So you hit like three in one. <laughs> My husband at one point texted me. He was at work, and he has a sign. If you walked into his office at Focus, there's a little note that he has up on his computer, and it says, text Aaron. So he, Because he's like, he's very um, compartmentalized. So when he's at work, he's at work. And, but then trying to remember, oh, yeah, I can connect with Aaron. So he sent this text, and he realized um, that we were going to be alone that night. So he said, I got creative and you know, on and on suggestions of what we could do for the night. And then he sent it. And he immediately got a response, and he looked at it, and it was from his boss. (laughs) So if you're texting your husband any creative ideas of connection, 
um, just make sure you're sending it to him, <laughs> not your boss. <laughs> I can pass this for Q&A. Anybody has questions? Yeah, and you can, any questions on anything as far as relationships, parenting, not that I'll have the exact right answer, but I might have some ideas. Um, are there, are there any pros and cons as far as like dealing with conflict in the moment when everyone's emotional and heated versus waiting and then it's like you play, you know, a cold shoulder game for that long and then deal with it when you're calm? Like, is there a right strategy to yeah. kind of tackle the You know, conflict? it's interesting because I absolutely, that's a great question. Um, I also get often, you know, do we, what if we have conflict in front of our kids as well? Um, but to ask, answer your question, um, I think it's wise, especially if you are both fighters, like you get when you get triggered and you, you know, maybe escalate versus some people, um, de they, not, they don't de-escalate, they're um, flighters. And so they move away from the conflict and shut down, especially if you are fighters, because it's, it's just not going to go well. So I always say, call a timeout. And, you know, it's just simply saying, hey, I want to talk to you about this, but right now I can't think clearly because you're in fight or flight. So all those hormones are rushing through your body. And so it's just going, okay, I'm going to call a little break here, and I'm going to go take care of me, but I'll be back. And that is the number one thing where couples break down is they don't come back. And so it never gets talked about. And then things are just swept under the rug week after week, month after month, year after year, and then they're like, we feel like roommates because we're not talking about, we're not doing the repair work with what is really going on. And so calling a, a timeout is just an opportunity to de-escalate, to get your heart rate back down to baseline, to get your blood pressure back down so you can think clearly and you can have an open heart and come back. And you know, if you come back and you're defending yourself and you're getting right back into the same cycle, I say just call another break and step away. But key is whoever calls the timeout is then responsible to re-engage. So if you say, I need a break, I'll be back, A, go and do something besides replay everything that's happened, because that will keep you stirred up. I, I love the two words, ruminate and perseverate. Don't do that. Do something that helps to bring the energy down. You know, maybe praying, maybe going for a walk, maybe um, getting on the treadmill, maybe taking a quick nap, um, then go back and check in. Hey, I'm good. Are you, are you ready to re-engage? Can we chat about what, what happened? What was going on for you? This is what was going on for me. It sounds super easy. Um, it's messy, of course. Not going to go perfect every time. The research shows that successful couples do this well one in three times. So that gives you some, some idea that even the most successful couples aren't doing it perfectly one in three times. The difference is they do the repair work and they come back to it. Um, so with regards to like, I can see the connection pieces on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis, mm -hmm. um, but my husband and I were talking recently about doing kind of like a connection retreat oh, um, nice. just because we felt really distant and... Mm -hmm. You know, we have awesome. a tiny little baby now, and we're just very busy. So do you have any recommendations for things to do on a focus time of connection? Like, I don't know, like what could what's something I could do on that retreat to yeah. further build connection? I love that. I love that, and it's awesome that you can get away. 
I say once a year, it is key for couples to get away alone without the kids. And I know many people will say, we don't have grandparents, we don't, you know, find a good friend, find someone here that you can switch childcare with because it's so good to get away and just to remember who are we as a couple. And so something that I would suggest is spending time, of course, I would say on a retreat like that, I wouldn't spend all the time trying to connect deeply because I would say it's important to have fun too. Have fun, do something, do an adventure, go on a hike, um, laugh together, do some, just do fun things that you used to do prior to kids. But then I would say spend focused time talking about what is going on inside of each of us. It's that inner life stuff. You know, think about when you were dating engaged, that is the stuff that we talked about. We dreamt about our future together. What, you know, how many kids are we gonna have? Um, where are we gonna live? You know, we talked about who we were. You know, what did we deal with growing up? So spend time talking about, you know, greatest stressors right now. You know, what are we each dealing with? What are we feeling? How connected are we zero to 10? Zero, no connection, 10, the greatest connection. What are we dreaming about together and individually, both, you know, in the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years? There's something so powerful about dreaming together because then you're on the same trajectory, um, moving in the same direction towards the same goal. Possibilities? Great. Yes. The interesting thing is the research shows 10 minutes a day talking about inner life stuff, how we're feeling, stressors, on and on, 10 minutes a day can take your marriage to the next level. 10 minutes a day. Doesn't even have to be 10 minutes in a row. It can be five minutes here, five minutes there. It can even be done on FaceTime. So if you have a spouse that's deployed or a spouse that travels, you can get on FaceTime you know, and just talk about, it's being intentional about what we're talking about. What's going on inside? How are you feeling? Are you stressed? What are you fearful of? What are you most looking forward to? This is so helpful. Thank you so oh, much. I'm so glad. So question, So, as women, we are the ones that are like in tune with relationship uh -huh. and how's it going. And that's like our radar, right? Yes. How do you remind your husband or, or request him to give it back? Do you see what I'm saying? Because they're, in, in this case, my husband's very work focused, lot more focused, logical, very logical. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm the one that's seeing all the missed connections. So how do you connect with your husband and not, and encourage him to give it back and not make him feel like he's doing a terrible job? So how do we like let him know that we're wanting deeper connection? Yes. Got it. I, I would say A, how we do that is huge. Because so often that kind of stuff comes up in the midst of conflict. Yeah, absolutely. So are we, I would say to, well, this is what I do. When I'm feeling disconnected, I know, I look for those moments, where do we feel connected? He's most likely, where is he most likely to talk? Where is he most likely to open up? Mm -hmm. So uh, just recently, hey, do you wanna go for a, a hike? Mm -hmm. And so we go on the hike, he has no idea what I'm doing. I'm taking him on the hike, he thinks he, I just wanna go hiking. No, I know that he'll talk to me. Because the research shows, it's age-old research that is out there that men do better shoulder to shoulder, not eye to eye. And so often we want them to be like us, that we want them to sit down and have coffee with us and talk to us about um, what's going on. Granted, the one time that my husband called me and said, hey, do you want to have coffee? I was like, oh my word, are you serious? Do you want to have coffee? And it was great. 
But I know for him, it's more likely, especially if he's stressed, they go more internal. They shut down in a different way than we do. When we're stressed as women, we tend to reach out to other women to connect. And there's oxytocin that's involved in that that causes us to tend and befriend, tend to our children, befriend other women when we're stressed. When men are stressed, the same oxytocin causes them to isolate. So especially if it's a stressful time, I would say, Get them out doing what helps them. Maybe it's shooting baskets. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, what does your husband enjoy? Fishing, yeah. hiking. He, he's a tech guy. Oh. So does, he's brilliant with computers and everything. So it's a tricky one. Yeah, that is. Hmm. <laughs> um, but it's good to think about for sure. Yeah, it is. And it's it just, and it's, again, how you bring it up. I am noticing it's, you know, I'm using my I statements. It's not, you're not connecting with me because that's often how we end up doing it. I am noticing or I am feeling disconnected. Mm -hmm. And gosh, I sure would like to know where you're at. I'd love to connect more about, you know, how are you inside? You know, what is stressing you out? What is going on? What can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. Um, And just bringing that to the table. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Even finding something, because my husband has questions that he asks me consistently, four questions. I don't know if I'm going to be able to remember them all off the top of my head, but um, how are you feeling is the first one. He does not like that question. Because Are for, these questions that you have given him to ask yes. you? Yeah, uh-huh. he came to me and he said, um, <laughs> what are what's some questions? I want some questions that I can ask you. Yeah. And I immediately rambled off like, four, five, six questions. And he's like, okay, wait, don't you need to think about it? I'm like, no. (laughs) Do you want 20 questions? Um, So how are you feeling? Um, What's one thing God is teaching you right now? How are you relationally with the kids? Not not, um, how are the kids and you doing functioning on, you know, a business mode, you know, like how am I doing getting the kids to school and parenting and on and on, but more how am I connected to them? And then also how are things going with my friends? Mm. He likes me to ask him, um, what's the high and the low? Mm. And he always laughs because he's like, that's a children's game, but it works. (laughs) Um, What's the number one thing you're stressed about at work? Mm. What is God teaching you? And what's one way I can be praying for you? Mm. Just simple. And when he starts into those questions, I know that he's saying, I want to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And so when I, he knows those questions as well, when I go down there, he's, I'm saying, I want to know, mm-hmm. how are you inside? Yeah. That's great. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, I'm trying to formulate this question in my mind, so okay. hopefully it'll come out. <laughs> it'll be a challenge question. Um, I'll pull Cassie up here. <laughs> so how do you kind of balance your expectations of what your husband can provide, um, for example, my husband is just fried after work and really just wants to collapse on the couch while the kids are running crazy and I'm scrambling to do dishes and yeah. make dinner and stuff and he's just like, <laughs> yeah. And I've I've tried to express to him some of the things that I need from him, mm-hmm. um, but they still don't happen. Okay. So, for example, helping with dishes. It would be okay. great if you could help unload the dishwasher at more than once a month. <laughs> yeah. But I'm realizing too, like we just have very different bandwidth for mm-hmm. what 
He's just exhausted. He's an introvert. He's just totally fried and after work. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to kind of work through that. Like, how do I not have an unrealistic expectation of what mm-hmm. he can give? And I don't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, angry at him because you should be doing this and you're yeah. not. <laughs> well, and it's, I love your question because I'm guessing every single person in here relates to that. I do. And it is, it's difficult when we do have hopes, like I'm going to ask, because it takes energy to ask. And I know for different people, it's harder to ask. And so, you know, asking, letting him know this is what I would like is so courageous because it, you know, it may or may not happen. You can't control if he does it or doesn't do it. So I would, again, go to him during a time that you're not in conflict that you're not mad because he didn't unload the dishwasher, um, a time that he's not exhausted when he's coming home from work. Find a time that you're even letting him know, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about. I've, you know, we, I've brought it up before, but I'm wanting to understand more what goes on for you. So I notice, so another time, not in the middle of conflict, not in the middle of him walking in, I notice I've asked you to help me with this and I'm noticing it's not happening. And I don't, I, you know, it's hard for me to, con, you know, really believe positive things. I want to, because I know you want to help me, but, you know, is it, where's it breaking down? In a kind, it's all in and how we approach it. And, you know, I, this is what I really would like. You know, what could I do to, to help? You know, is it that um, I take the kids in the morning and you empty the dishwasher? You know, really figuring out what would work for both of us. Because, and it's also letting them know this is how I'm feeling. You know, are you open to hearing how I feel? I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. And I just really, really could use your help. And I don't know if you've tried that. And if it doesn't consistently go well, and there's things that you're going, I just don't know what's going on, go in and talk to someone. Ask him if he'd be willing to go in and talk to someone. A therapist, you know, a pastor, um, a mentor couple, just to, so you can bring another set of eyes in. And, you know, not that he's in trouble and not, but I really want a deeper connection with you. And I want to work well together as a team. And part of that is showing up for each other and supporting each other during, the, during especially young parenting days. And parenting, I'm telling you, it, they need you. They continue to need you. At 27, she still needs us. And I count it an honor, but it's amazing you're raising some of your very best friends right now, truly. And I just think of my adult kids, oh, they're just amazing, and I love them. And did we do it all perfect? No, we did not. Did we have conflict in front of them? Yes, we did. But we felt like that was also important. It's, you know, not the, if, it, if it's something super intense, take it in the other room. But I think it's good for them to also see conflict is part of a relationship. And when you go to college and have roommates, guess what? You're going to have conflict. Someday when you get married, you're going to have conflict. So it's just looking at you're doing your best in this season. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So my husband, uh, it's kind of weird. I think all our husbands must be in a club or something because so many of you I can relate to your questions. Um, Maybe some of you can relate to this. He's a very laid-back person. Laid-back. He doesn't see the reason for, as an example, date night. Because we're together all the time at home. When he comes home, uh, 
for example, I planned a date night back in June. Uh-huh. He got home, was exhausted from work, uh, was exhausted, and I was like, do you want to get ready for our date night? And he's like, I guess. And so I was just kind of, well, upset about that, and I was like, you know yeah. what, let's just not go. Let's just not go. And I um, kind of shut down for the rest of the night. Yeah. That makes sense. And then, heard. you know, yeah. And I think he picked up on that, but he didn't exactly, um, he didn't really pick up on it too much because he said, what can I do for you at the end of the night? And I said, plan a date night. You plan a date night. Yeah. You get a babysitter. You do everything. All I want to do is put on a dress and go out with you. Hmm. That was in June. I have asked him so many times. We haven't had a date night mm. in over three years. Mm. Our fifth anniversary is coming up. Sorry, where's my child? <laughs> no, she's fine. Thank Holly's you. I'm her. so sorry. Our fifth anniversary is coming up, and he doesn't even want to go out then. Yeah. And I feel kind of like um, low priority. Yeah. And I've expressed to that to him, and it's like, well, we're, we're together all the time. What's the big deal? And I, I don't know how to connect with him and, and tell him like, cause when we were dating, we had, I guess I'm, maybe I'm a little spoiled cause even when he was making minimum wage, he'd save $30 to take me out. Mm. So I'm And spoiled. what did that leave you feeling when he did that? So special. Yeah, yeah. Like that's how I knew he was the one. He was working at Big Lots, working from 2 a.m. to um, mm. 6 a.m three times a week, minimum wage, and he'd somehow save $30 to take mm. me out every single weekend. Wow. And now it's nothing. Yeah. So and that hurts. And does. I wonder if yeah. he knows how that impacts you. Like truly, like genuinely, like I felt so special when we were dating. And I loved those times. We made such sweet memories. And like when I think back at that, wow. Those were amazing times. The fact that you worked so hard and then you saved $30 and took me out and I felt so valued and special. And so thus, I wanna keep that tradition going in our relationship, keep feeling that connection with you. Because when it doesn't happen, what do you feel? You said low priority? Yeah, Yeah, like you don't matter. That makes sense. And it's letting him know that when this happens, that's what I feel. And I'm not, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just letting you know that's how it impacts me. But what I really want is I want to feel special. And I wonder, sometimes couples, and especially men, don't want to go on date nights because they're, we've, we condition each other that it's not safe to go on a date night. Because if we go on a date night, it's just going to end in conflict or we're going to talk about finances or, you know, why don't we just stay at home? We can, we don't have to pay a babysitter to go talk about finances or have conflict. And so we condition each other that it's not safe to go on a date night. So I would ask him to just be curious of, I notice you don't want to go on a date night. What, what do you think about when you think about a date night? And just go, I always say, go under the water line because you're seeing this up here. What's really going on underneath? But that's, that's hard, because it, it's that tender spot for you. But I appreciate your question. Yeah. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. Oh, my God. 
You guys are great with questions. I love it. This one might sound a little bit sillier, but is there like practical tips like of how to remember to connect? I know it sounds so silly, but like so many little kids, so little time in the day. How do I actually do it? (laughs) It's really, I would say, leaving here today, choose one thing different that you're going to do. One thing that I'm going to look for this opportunity. It's just consistency and training. You can even put a reminder on your phone. I know that sounds like, really? I have to put a reminder on my calendar, on my phone to connect? Yes. If it's important, that's what we will do. And so I just encourage you, like again, thinking through the moments in your day, what's one opportunity that I have? Is it when he walks in? I'm going to just, I'm going to knock that out of the park. So when he walks in every day this week, I am going to be there to greet him. Even if I have three kids hanging on my waist, I will be there to greet him. Or maybe it's when he leaves in the morning or you leave in the morning, whoever leaves first, you know, that we're going to, I'm going to hug him and kiss him before he leaves. Um, Or I'm going to bring him coffee in the morning, whatever it is, just one thing. Because if we try to do it all, it, then we do nothing. So I say one thing, focus on that. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to affirm him once a day. That's going to make a huge, that's what I'm going to do. Just once a day. So make it simple. It doesn't have to be complex. But I think often we get overwhelmed. And it makes sense. With the season you're in, it's overwhelming. You're pouring out a lot. Can we give Erin a hand? Thank you, Erin, for being here. And I forgot, I forgot to pray before I started. So can I pray now? Yes, please. Okay. Oh, Jesus, I lift this group of, of moms up to you, Lord. I know they're all in different seasons. Um, Jesus, I just pray that... They can walk out of here feeling equipped to do one thing and just to choose one thing, not to get overwhelmed, something that's already happening in their lives that they can utilize to bring deeper connection. Lord, encourage their hearts. This is a hard season. It's a season of pouring out a lot of physical and emotional energy. Jesus, fill them. May they turn to you for that filling and may they continue to come back day after day for the filling. Um, because as we pour out each day, we've got to refill so we have more to give, so we can bless our children and our family. Lord, just be with them. Keep the enemy away as the enemy wants to say all kinds of negative things to them about who they are as a mom. Lord, help them to look to you for the truth. Jesus, we just thank you. Encourage that one mom that is discouraged, maybe in her marriage. Lord, just breathe hope that there is hope. And Lord, it just means doing one thing differently um, to start that process of reconnection. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the books you brought? I just brought some books. And um, $13, two for $25. I have a swipe. um, And I have some cash. You can write a check, whatever. there's three, four different books. One is Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. That is just information on how do we um, connect in some pretty practical ways. Wholehearted Wife is looking at applying things to me, to my husband, to my marriage. Growing Up Girlfriends is about female friendships and 10 things a husband needs from his wife. Super, super practical. This stuff is in there. At each the end of each chapter, there's a prayer for you and a prayer for you to pray over your husband. Super, it was meant to be super simple for seasons of life like the one you're in as far as a busy, busy season. So 
Perfect. So Erin's yes. going to be here for a little while. Yeah. She'll be over here yes. if you want to come talk to her, yes. ask about her books. Um, yeah. And we'll break into our discussion time now. And I'll come back up in a little while to segue for our prayer time. Yeah. Thank you for having me.